Hey, so welcome back to another episode of the pod. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the application year. And honestly, this could be a whole series in and of itself. But the point of this episode is to give a super broad overview of what to expect during this time and a broad timeline that would be helpful to follow. Yeah, so before we get into the episode, I do just want to say up front, as I'm sure you've seen that this episode is actually a bit shorter than previous episodes. And that's just because I'm providing a lot of blog and text-based content this week as well. So I need to put a bit more energy into that. But this kind of episode will provide like a broad overview and explain why I'm providing the text resources that I am. But yeah, with that out of the way, let's get into this episode and start talking about the application year and things to consider and stuff. So I'm going to be honest up front. The application process is time consuming, expensive, and requires a lot of organizationing and planning. It's not fun at all. And since I'm being real, it's a process that can really open your eyes to just how many barriers exist and just trying to get into grad school. And I'm not talking about like the 2% acceptance rate. I'm talking about the assumption that academia has that its applicants and future grad students can tap into their parents' money to help cover the costs of everything. And I realize I'm saying that from my own place of privilege where my parents were and are able to help me at points when the money I save isn't enough. And just to give you a better idea, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, and I really wish that I had written it down. But between the GRE prep class, the materials, application fees, fees for taking the GRE, fees for sending the GRE scores, transcript fees, flights and hotels for interviews I went to, I easily spent over $2,000 just trying to get into grad school. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the low estimate because, again, I did not track everything, but it was easily $2,000. And at least for me, like, you know, I saved up for a year. I babysat a lot outside of my nine to five. I gave up Muay Thai. And then my parents still met me halfway and, like, helped with the rest. And I'm saying this to be honest. I want to validate the fact that this is an expensive and honestly super unfair process, while also acknowledging that I was privileged enough to get help in a way that some others may not be able to. I just really want to be upfront about that. So now that that's out of the way, let's get on to this timeline. So generally, applications are due on December 1st or somewhere within the first week or two of December. But in my mind, the application process officially starts in July of your application year and should informally begin the spring of the year that you want to apply. So why do I have July and spring as beginnings for this? I'll tell you why. So around July or August, you should have a list of programs and professors that you're interested in. This does not have to be a final list, and you can definitely remove programs later on as you learn more information about them. But you should have a sense of where you may apply at this point. And it's important to make contact with professors before sending in applications. I've heard some professors say that when they see an applicant they like, like within the application pool, they then search in their inbox to see if they've actually reached out to them. And this email doesn't have to be long. It should just introduce who you are, your research interests, that you're applying this upcoming cycle, and ask if they're taking students. Funding and academic politics means that a professor doesn't always take in an applicant each year, and you don't want to spend time and money 
and like energy on an application to a place to only find out after the fact that the professor's not taking anyone. So this email in the summer has two main purposes. One, to alert the professor that you're interested so they can look out for your application, and also so you can know if they're accepting students. But before you reach out to your professors, you should have done your research on them and their programs. Not like in-depth, in-depth research like you do later on, but you should just have a basic sense of like, you know, what they are about and what their program could offer. And, you know, looking through all these professors and programs can take some time. And that's why I suggest that you start looking around April. So when I was starting to look at programs, the main resources I used was a book called The Insider's Guide to Counseling and Clinical Psychology Programs, and also the website for the American Psychological Association. The Insider's Guide is great because it lists literally all the counseling and clinical programs in the United States, and also because it gives you tips, advice, and guidance about this process as a whole. And if you want to be a licensed psychologist, you have to go to an APA accredited program, which is why it's also a really good place to start to just go on their website and look at all the accredited programs by that organization. So this process of just looking could be an episode in and of itself. So I'm not going to go into too much depth here, but I will say that when you're narrowing down your list, in addition to research interests, some other things you should be looking at involve stipends, if it's like livable in the area of the country, training opportunities, and if you could really see yourself living in the city or town where that program is located. So if you check out the website semi-regularly, which I hope you do because I'm also really trying to provide text-based resources on there, but if you check that out, by the time this episode is up or maybe a few days after this episode comes out, there's going to be like a resource blog post as well. And in that, I will put a screenshot and a link to like a grad school comparison Excel sheet. It's going to be like a template, one that I made when I was applying to grad school, just so you can have a sense of things to consider and maybe a starting point for yourself when you are looking about how you want to compare grad school programs. Applications are due in December. Your application requires a personal statement, filling out the application portal, sending transcripts, sending GRE scores, a CV, three letters of recommendation, and potentially a writing sample or other additional essays. It is a lot to keep track of. And also it's really important to have an Excel sheet or a document or something just helping you track this entire process. And I'll also provide a little template for that for you guys. So I've kind of spent the first part of this podcast just kind of naming all the things that you have to consider and emphasizing why it's very important to be very organized in this process, both in just considering programs you want to narrow down and also keeping track of all the moving pieces of your application. So for the rest of this, I'm going to talk a bit more about the timeline and other things that kind of go into this whole application process. So this is my super broad guide I would give from the time from like late summer to when your applications are due first thing is you want to identify and reach out to your letter writers sooner rather than later. You want to give them like two months minimum to fill out your application. So at least for me, I personally, I identified and I asked my letter writers if they would be willing to write a letter for me around September. And then I sent them invitations in the portal within October. So that way they'd have like two months to write the letters of recommendation. Some things to also 
consider, not consider, but things you should do when you're also asking for your letter of recommendation is once you send them the thing in the portal so they can write it, also send them a copy of your CV and a working letter of your personal statement. It's okay if your personal statement is not complete at that time. I know that, at least for me, that went through so many, so many, so many edits. And I don't think it was complete until like, you know, like a day or two before I turned it in. But you want to send at least a working copy of a working draft of that to your letter writers. So that way they can kind of have a sense of like, you know, what story you're trying to tell about yourself, your research interests, so they can write a letter that like, um, so they can write a letter that complements that as well. So those are all sort of things that are like happening in relation to like the letter writers and stuff. And then other things you should also be keeping in mind during this, like, you know, late summer to apps being due time is be sure to take the GRE if it's still required by that point. As I said, COVID has kind of changed a lot of things, but take the GRE and also make sure that you've taken the GRE in such a time that that way the scores will be in and be able to be accepted by the deadline. And similarly, also be sure to request your transcripts in time so they can be sent to the school. I have a very, very fun panicked story about that, but I will not share that right now. Yeah, so that's things you got to do. Identify your letter writers, check in with them, work on your CV, work on your personal statement, make sure all forms like the GRE and transcripts and everything are requested and will be turned into whatever programs you're applying to in time. So that kind of takes us from late summer to the deadline. And now December, the first week of December has come and everything is submitted. Woo! And now you can relax for maybe a month and then you're just kind of filled with constant anxiety while waiting. One incredibly frustrating thing about this process is that there's not really a standardized way of doing that. This timelines are very dependent by programs and individuals. Sometimes a professor will reach out to you early for an, an informal interview over the phone. And then you have like, you know, the in-person, maybe it's just that the phone interview is the official. <sighs> because the system isn't standardized, it can make things really confusing and anxiety provoking and you just don't know what's going to happen or when. So one sort of informal rule that I would follow is if you haven't heard back from a place by February or March for an interview, I think it'd be better to assume that you're not getting an interview and most likely not getting accepted. But again, it's inconsistent. Generally, interviews happen from around like February to March and then admissions and rejections happen within that time. But again, there is no... <laughs> no standardized way. It's just constantly checking your email every day looking for an update. However, the one thing that is standardized and clear across everyone is that April 15th is the day that individuals have to commit by. So if you are holding on to multiple offers, you have to decide where you're going by the 15th. And also as a rule, it's just common courtesy not to hold on to more than two acceptances at a time because, you know, there are people on the wait list and stuff like that and the program needs to know, okay, maybe I can offer it to this person. So if you have two acceptances and then you hear right from a third program saying, oh, you were also giving you acceptance and you are now having three among those three, decide which two you like the most and then let the third one know, uh, actually, no, I'm not going to. And then I don't know how much to talk about interviews here because normally you fly to the interviews and there's a whole process, but obviously we are in a pa pan panoramic, a 
pandemic. Sorry, sorry, I was being silly there. We are currently in a pandemic. So obviously, programs aren't out here flying people around. Well, technically, the program's not flying you out. Programs aren't making you fly halfway across the country for interviews. So I don't know how that's really going to change with the pandemic. I know my program, we just did like a virtual welcome weekend, but our program's also different where we don't do in-person interviews anyway. So yeah, I'm not sure how much advice I can give regarding the interview process at this point, just because I don't know how it's going to change or if it will change after this pandemic. But yeah, that is a lot of information and I know it's like really broad and as I said at the beginning this episode is a bit shorter mainly because I want to focus more on the text-based resources for the website and also because I think a lot of this information could be presented more visually but I just kind of wanted to give you like a broad broad idea of things to consider as you're applying for your as you're applying for grad school. So As a summary, the overall main takeaways from this episode is that the application process is expensive, it's time-consuming, and it can be very anxiety-provoking. Be sure to start saving up early or, if you're lucky enough, to ask your parents to help you out with it. Organization is key in this process, and look out on the website for some templates and guides I will provide for you. Be sure to email your professors, well, not your professors, professors you're potentially interested in in the summer, just so they kind of like know your name. Let your letter writers know in September. And then, you know, just work on all your application materials and be very clear and transparent with your letter writers. And then also very important throughout this time is invest in self-care. I do not shut off about self-care, but... I'm telling you, the anxiety is real. There's just so much uncertainty and you got to be taking care of yourself during this time. And the system, it's not that clear. It's not transparent. It's not standardized. It varies wildly between program to program and it just doesn't help. So at least you can be as organized you can be on your end. And yeah, I feel like this is just me more just trying to be like, it's okay if you don't know what's happening when you're applying because I didn't know what's happening and I still don't know what's happening. But yeah, so I hope this episode was helpful. I know it was shorter than usual, but look out on the website, follow me on Instagram, and I will see you guys next week. I guess rather you guys will hear me next week. Yeah. Bye.